Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other line from the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. We're not two days late this time. I'll tell you that. We're all over it. Oh, boy. Here we are. You know, we were scheduled to record at 5 uh, p.m. East Coast time, and at about 3.45 East Coast time, Chris Staffs Porzingis became a Dallas Maverick. Yeah, Mark Mark Cuban was like, look, these open floor guys are so behind the curve with some of these episodes. Let's just tee them up perfectly (laughs) so that they can just live react to the Chris Staffs Porzingis blockbuster uh, on their second episode of the week. Well, it's a gift and a curse because I'm still kind of like picking the pieces of my brain up after that trade because I thought I like... Once news broke that things weren't going well, and that happened about midday Thursday, I thought, you know, look, the Knicks could really turn around and trade Porzingis. And then just like that, it happens, and it certainly sounds like those discussions have been ongoing for a while now. Um, And with the Mavericks, they accelerated over the last couple days. But here we are. So I want to start with a question from Jack, who says, Look, guys, I know I must be one among many, but as a Knicks fan, please, please, please grant me fan amnesty. (laughs) If Porzingis wanted to be traded, that's fine. I don't blame him. But to only get Dennis Smith Jr. back, it's just so Knicks. All that's left now is to end up with the fifth pick this year miss on Kevin Durant, and sign Chris Middleton to a max deal to make up for it all. Please, 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 I'm begging you, include me in a trade to Dallas and let me move my fanhood to the European Mavs. So, first of all, Jack is correct. He's one of a couple different Knicks fans who wrote in in the immediate aftermath. Great uh, email. Demand- I, I mean, yeah. I'm impressed by his coherence. You know, I, well, like if you had told us that they're going to just randomly trade Kristaps Por- uh, Porzingis, you know, like a year and a half ago, don't you think that there would have been looting and buildings being set on fire involved before we got the smart, wonky, you know, forward-thinking, big-picture email from our listeners? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, uh, I mean, that was always the joke. It's like, you know, it, you can trade anything, do whatever you want to do, Knicks. But if you trade Chris Stapps, people are going to burn Madison Square Garden to the ground. And yeah. I think it's actually a different situation. I do appreciate all the listeners who stayed on brand and loyal to Open Floor and specifically requested fan amnesty. But um, I don't know. I, like, w- what are your thoughts on the deal? Because I'm coming at it pretty differently than I I think most people are. I don't know. I'm a a little befuddled by the reaction to this trade. I see two explanations for why you do this deal now, and they both can be true or just one could be true. Uh, But let me hear what you think. I'm going to break it down. First of all, option number one is that Porzingis has just been grumbling forever about Uh New York, the setup there, the culture, uh, you know, just how everything's played out, whether it was the Phil era, now the current era. Uh, obviously, they're in the middle of a very ugly tank. They don't have a lot of talent. And so at some point, it was just like, enough is enough. You've been injured multiple times. You've got this bad attitude. You don't really want to be here. You don't want to commit to a long-term thing. There could be this whole dance with the qualifying offer. Let's just get out in front of all of that. He doesn't want to be here. Move him for the maximum cap relief so that you can just tear this thing all the way down to the studs and be in a flexible position. I think that's option number one. Option okay. number two is... 
our good friend and buddy Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant have been very unsubtly winking at the New York Knicks for like months. And that rumor has been out there for a long time. And the idea is whatever you want to do, make sure it's as clear as possible so that you can build a team around Kevin Durant. Because if he just goes there by himself, uh, how good is that team going to be? But if you go there with the second star or you go there with a couple of other really quality supporting pieces, that's a team that can immediately leapfrog back into the conference finals or the finals conversation in such a weak conference over there in the AAA Eastern Conference, right? So mm-hmm. that could be another idea, which is we have to get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee by any means necessary. And there are no other assets really in the fold there. So the yeah. o- the only asset to make that work is to sweeten it up with a Chris Stapps Porzingis and you know, get everything you possibly can get back from Dallas. Those are the two explanations that I see. And it's possible both are true, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that both are both were probably factors that, that played into this. Um, it is kind of funny. <laughs> if you go back to the last episode where I was talking about getting ratioed by all the Knicks fans for having the gall to suggest that they might trade Kevin Knox to get off the Hardaway deal, <laughs> which... By the way, the Hardaway deal, I mean, he's making 19 million next year. He's making 20 million the year after that. Um it's not great. Or no, he's making 19 million this year and then 20 million next well, year. But either way. Let me ask you though, would you if you could have done it over, would you have swung bigger and just said trade Porzingis for cap relief so you can get KD <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and really <laughs> milk the ratio? What do you think? I would not have had the gall to suggest that one. Um, No, it's crazy, man. It really is. And the craziest part to me is like, you know, again, we go back a year and a half ago. There was that that week around the draft where rumors began to swirl that Phil Jackson was considering trading Porzingis. And actually, I have to be honest with you. You and I were recording podcasts. At that point, we were both in New York City. And um, I remember I had this nagging feeling even then that it wasn't the craziest thing in the world to think about trading Porzingis because basically they were talking about potentially getting back two firsts from Boston. That was one of the deals that was rumored. And um, and even then you had Knicks fans you know, climbing up the walls at that rumor saying, this is crazy, Phil has to go, he's lost it, he's taken things too far, like... Blah, 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 blah. I don't know, man. Like, that deal wouldn't have been crazy. And this deal isn't that insane to me. And I, and I understand that it's reckless. I understand that it's it's bold and could absolutely backfire. But it comes down to how you feel about Porzingis. And some of the stuff that you were alluding to, like whether he's unhappy, he's been kind of like clashing with management on and off for the last two years. Like we don't really know the full story yet, but I have been getting vibes from him. Little diva potential there. He he carries himself as if he were a perennial top five, top 10 talent. And, you know, I tweeted about this earlier, but like, a lot of the questions that we've been asking about Anthony Davis have been unfair and borderline crazy to me. But I I think like being a little skeptical about what Porzingis really is and, and what he can really give a team, um, particularly if you're a team like the Knicks that wants to go win a title, like I think all those questions are fair. I think it's a great deal from Dallas's side and we'll get to Dallas, but the the Knicks, like 
This is them saying, screw it. Let's go win a title. Let's take our shot this summer and see what we can do. And they needed to get off Courtney Lee. They needed to get off the Hardaway deal to be able to have a chance to go do that. And um, I don't know. I, I kind of admire the guts it takes to make this move and just sort of let the chips fall where they may this summer. No, this was the ratio trade of all ratio trades. I mean, it took a lot of guts. I mean, they're sticking their necks all the way out. It's a reputation maker or a reputation breaker. And I want to double back and kind of lay out a couple scenarios of how this could play out here uh, in a second. But first things on Porzingis, I love this move for Dallas because, you know, they're always, you know, trying to take on salary and get these middling veterans or whatever they can do to kind of get uh, into a situation where they can really boost themselves up. The pairing between Doncic and Porzingis is really, really interesting. Obviously, you need a defensive anchor behind Doncic to, to sort of help him out. I think Porzingis can be that. And then the fact that they're both, you know, big time shooters from the perimeter. And so you can have an offense that's just built around pick and pops between them. That's still spread out. I think that's a really flexible base for a really impressive offense as they grow forward. Plus, you've got some real star power there. I don't want to paint all international players with a brush because I think that's really dangerous territory. But I do think when we're looking at Porzingis and how he kind of carried himself in New York, it's important to remember that he's the most famous person in his country, right? And I think that there's been other international players who are in that same situation where they approach everything differently because, you know, they are, you know, that famous, that influential, that important, um, you know, back home. And so the idea of like paying dues or like being okay with multiple year, you know, rebuilding program or any of these other things that I think a lot of, uh, you know, American born players are just sort of expecting to do when they go through this process uh, sometimes mm-hmm. international players just come at it from a different perspective, in part because they've started their career so much earlier that they don't have that same approach to to patience and you know to you know trusting an organization to kind of get things together. And uh, that could have been a real source of tension between player and, and franchise, um, you know, in this position. And it'll be fascinating to see how he embraces Dallas, right? Because Dallas, as we know. They'll spend whatever it takes to put together a quality team. They're going to be aggressive to find the right pieces to put around these guys. But in the short term, they might not be that good. Like, are they guaranteed to make the playoffs next year, even if Porzingis is fully healthy? Uh, I don't know. I'm not ready to, to, to pencil them in as a top eight team, given the other holes in their rotations and their lineups. So some of those Knicks related concerns that Porzingis had could still be there in Dallas. Yeah, and I don't even know you know, if his concerns were substantive and with like the direction the Knicks were headed as a basketball team, I think those are off base also because the Knicks have played the last 12 months fairly well and they've done a good job on the basketball side and they're clearly well positioned to at least be in the conversation with a lot of guys this summer who could help them go win. So I don't think anybody should have sympathy for Chris Stapps looking at the the situation in New York and saying, I, I want to be on a winner. Like the, the Knicks are doing everything right to build a winner around him. And to me, it's a strike against him if he's misreading that, number one. And number two, it is true. I, and it's something I wrote about in my bigger international piece last year, like um, a lot of these guys, like Tomas Sadaransky, is like the biggest player from the Czech Republic, and and is a huge star over there. And it does require a little bit of an adjustment. I think what has happened with Kristaps is a little different, though. Where like um, 
the parallel I would draw is Kyle Kuzma in L.A., where, like, Kuzma has come in and been really good for the Lakers, been a big surprise, and is now kind of like a rock star out there. And uh, similar things happen with Porzingis, albeit on a more legitimate scale where Porzingis is a clear all-star. But, like, he's probably 50% or 100%, 150% more famous than he would be elsewhere. And... Um, and that's so he carries himself as if he's a household name, and in some ways he is a household name. But like he hasn't been that guy on the court; he hasn't had that type of impact. And so that's where like I don't blame the Knicks for saying, "Look, this is going to be a hassle, and it has been for the last year and a half." And I would we're just going to pull the cord here and and try to get eighty million dollars in cap space and go take our chances with other guys because I don't know. Yeah. If you could really win a title with Porzingis as the best player on your team. I well, think that's the, a, a reasonable yeah, question. But they have more immediate questions there. And I think the, the reason why we're getting all these fan amnesty applications is that when you get a player like Porzingis, who no one's ever really seen this package before in terms of everything he can do offensively, the shooting range at seven foot three, uh, the rim protection and the interior defense and all of that. If you yeah. just can't make it work at all, if it goes south even before he finishes his rookie deal, that is a giant red flag for a, a poor culture, right? Like, and I mean, I, I guess so. It didn't work. He, the guy's missed the last 11 months. No, he's had his own share of injuries. There's no question about it. But uh, when you're landing him and all the promise that goes into you know watching him average 20-plus points, have a big-time on-off you know, net rating impact when he's at his best— you know, almost having them sort of in that playoff bubble the one season that he was actually healthy until he went down uh yeah. you're thinking okay we're going to have this guy for 10 years he's going to be a foundational guy is he going to be the best player in the eastern conference is he ever going to be as good as Joel Embiid or Giannis you know maybe not but this is definitely someone who you can really uh build something you know gradually up around him as he grows and you know turn into a team that can be a consistent contender you should be thinking those things when you get that type of a player that high in the lottery and for it to go yeah. so ugly so south so quickly uh that's the concerning part but i was mentioning well, sort of the here, here's the thing though uh, let me just on that point we got another we got a tweet from robert who said calling to order the board of members uh or board of directors of Giannis inc andrew sharp and ben Golliver. we are voting on a pending 2020 merger with porzingis llc 2019 transactions shall determine whether the merger will be allowed by the FTC. More details to come in the months to follow. I just have two responses to that as a director at Giannis Inc. I don't want any part of Porzingis LLC, okay? (laughs) Respectfully speaking, I understand why Dallas did it, but like He's not in the same category as Giannis, and I think that's that's where the disconnect is. is Knicks fans, to your point... Porzingis is probably the only good thing that has happened to that team in 10 or 15 years. There were there was legitimate hope. There was reason to believe that he's the guy and that like they channeled all their energy into him. And I totally understand where they're coming from because there literally wasn't anything else to do over the last three or four years. But he's not anywhere near where Giannis is right now. And we should all just have clear eyes about that one. Like he made he may go to Dallas and the medical staff may keep him healthy and he may go on to have a Hall of Fame career. But like, 
this was a calculated gamble by the Knicks that wasn't completely crazy. So yeah, that's I think all I had to say. The official stance of Giannis Inc. is that we're good with Kristaps Lopez, who's already there uh, for Milwaukee right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, we're set. You know, we don't need any fake MVP candidates. We we have a real MVP candidate. Yeah, that spot is filled. Hey, I mentioned like the best case scenarios and the worst case scenarios, the boomer bust nature of this trade. Let me just paint this for you very quickly, right? Okay. There is a realistic, plausible, best case scenario for the Knicks where next year their big three is Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. And with that in mind, I just want to apologize preemptively to Alice. Alice, you know, if you're listening, Andrew's wife, (laughs) if that goes down, Andrew and I are moving to New York and we're going to share an apartment. And I think we're probably going to be the two biggest Knicks fans in the world, right? You know what? No lie. I would move to New York if that went down. Although, here's the thing. And I, again, I if they get the number one pick, and this isn't about me being down on Zion, but they are a, a million percent trading that number one for Anthony Davis. Like The Zion in New York thing isn't happening because if they get number one, that's Anthony Davis in, in a heartbeat. And it, it, they would probably wait to actually consummate the deal because they would want to use the cap space on two other superstars. But like the the scenario that's in play from where I'm sitting, unless New Orleans tries to deal Anthony Davis in the next six days, which like everything is so crazy right now that like anything is possible. It's all on the table. But if if the Pelicans wait, I would bet on the Knicks becoming the front runners if they win that lottery. And look, like the, the lottery with the new odds, man, it's going to get it's like that's gonna be a crazy crazy night in the nba it's already a crazy night three months in advance i mean all these teams <laughs> are positioning themselves for it. like if you're dallas that's the other thing about taking porzingis back don't you just tank as hard as possible now that you've traded all these vets and just try to up your own odds to win the the zion sweepstakes because then you could I think have they have to yeah because you could have potentially a big three down there of luca zion and Porzingis, or you could yeah. flip Zion for another player and, and really be onto something special. I mean, that is, is really intriguing too. So that's the best case scenario. And you actually raised the best case scenario, at least in the short term, by throwing Anthony Davis into the mix. So, you know, kudos for doing that. Here's here's a very plausible worst case scenario. Okay. Are okay. you ready? Instead of the big three of Zion, Katie, and Kyrie, or Katie, AD, and Kyrie, you know, their uh-huh. big three next year could be. Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, and R.J. Barrett. I mean, that could be <laughs> their big three next year. It's it's not that hard. I mean, if Kyrie and the Celtics make the finals, I think he's staying in Boston. There's still a chance that KD, after all of his hemming and hawing and all of these reports, decides, look, let's run it back and extend this dynasty in Golden State. Or there's yep. the possibility that he decides to do the Uber Lakers with LeBron, go sign with LeBron. I don't think it's we should automatically write KD to the Knicks. That's my only point there. If those two guys don't move, your second-tier stars, if you're the Knicks, are like Kemba Walker, Tobias Harris, uh, you know that yeah. type of player. And my understanding, uh, just from sources, you know, league sources, whatever you want to call them, is that the Knicks strategy is basically go big or stay home this summer. Like they want, I respect that. They want the A-listers. They're now in position to make a really hard push for those guys after clearing out basically $30 million in salary for next season. Uh-huh. But if they don't get those guys, their concern is, okay, maybe don't settle for the second-tier players, right? So in that scenario, they would just be the youngest, most rickety roster 
coming back <laughs> with, you know, and let's just assume they don't get the number one pick. So they have to settle for RJ or somebody like that. I mean, yeah. it, and then they're rolling it back and basically shooting for like 15 to 20 wins and, and playing that, uh, you know, playing that game. Right. So yep. the disparity here between making the finals with the big three of like in their prime all-stars and being the worst team in the league, like it couldn't get any wider in terms of the best case and the worst case, could it? No, and I kind of love it for that reason. And, you know, it's funny because when you threw out that worst case scenario, I was going to come back and say the the real worst case scenario would be signing Kemba and Tobias Harris and saying, all right, well, we took our shot. Now we're going to go win 45 games and and everybody get excited. It's like... Kevin Knox will be the bridge to our new era. And it's like, all right, come on, guys. Like, all or nothing makes sense to me because, and that's another reason to do the Porzingis deal. Because if they struck out and then it was Porzingis, you'd be winning 45 or 46 games with the, that's the best case scenario. Who knows how healthy he would be? But either way, you're still not in the title conversation. And then Porzingis is probably still unhappy in that scenario. And so you've got to deal with the problem then too, because then the young guys that you're bringing in aren't ready to help Porzingis go win. And it's hard to build the right way, which like, I think that's part of the reason a lot of Knicks fans have been balking at this because they thought they were building the right way and building slowly. And what I would say there is like... Well, they're balking I, because they're prepared for this worst case. They don't want to even dream about the best case because they're Knicks fans. And we can we can uh, understand that, right? Like, it's our job as no, independent people. You know we can't. I'm sorry. We can't understand it. Like, Knicks fans have a little backbone, for God's sakes. I've seen so many <laughs> Knicks fans freaking out on Twitter. I'm a goddamn Wizards fan, okay? I have no backbone. I have no reason to believe anything will ever work out because free agents don't want to come to D.C. Free agents have never given us a second thought in the last 25 years. You know what? The Knicks, with $80 million of cap space, are going to have a shot at all of these guys. I agree that Kyrie, to me, I think the real worst-case scenario would be tying up like $180 million in Kyrie and having him injure his knee two months into the season. And like, there are risks in play here. But I, I stop feeling sorry for yourselves, Knicks fans. Your team just cleared out mm. 75 or $80 million to go win a title. And uh, to me, someone who, my team hasn't won 50 games in literally my entire life. I think you guys should all be more excited than you have been. Church. Church, take yeah. him to church, fan Andrew. Am- take him to amnesty church. Amnesty is not granted to any of you people. Any of the emails we've gotten, fucking get excited. Sorry. That was awesome. It's been months since I could say this, but Andrew Sharp reports all Knicks fans <laughs> are soft. They need to they man are. up. <laughs> they are. Look, and I understand all this plays well on Twitter. The woe is me act like, oh, God, the Knicks again. This team doesn't know how to rebuild. They do know how to rebuild, all right? You don't win titles with draft picks. Almost nobody does it. Unless you draft Steph Curry, the best draft pick of the last 25 years. You just don't do it. And so (laughs) go sign superstars. It makes sense. You guys are in the game. Go take your shot. You know, sorry. No, don't apologize. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. This is the best. This is the best radio we've had in months. I'm just over here. I'm sorry. I'm losing up. it. I'm losing it. There's, I've just seen one too many like 
thousand retweet tweets being like, God, the Knicks are at it again. I don't get it. This is a, this is a smart move. No, I feel like the New York, the Knicks are bringing the New York out of you. Like I need to fuck master flex, just dropping bombs on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like boom, boom, as you're going along here, just painting, uh, you know, the self-improvement plans for all Knicks fans. I mean, it's, it's really something else. How do we even pivot away from that? Should we talk Dallas aside? I mean, no. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should talk about stocks and investing. All right. And then we'll go talk general winners and losers from this trade. So, first off, though, today's podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, options, and cryptos all commission free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started so you can start at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Ben, tell me a little bit more about Robinhood. Didn't you mean to say that the simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for weak-minded Knicks fans and strong-willed <laughs> Lakers fans alike? No, I'm kidding. Andrew, Robinhood also allows you to view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular stocks. So if you want to easily sort through your options, when you're trying to make your fin uh, financial investment decisions, you can do it right in their app. With Robinhood, you can also learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never, ever, ever miss the right moment to invest. And guess what, Andrew? Robinhood is giving the Open Floor Globe members a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help them build their portfolio. That's right, a blue chip stock for the Blue Bubble Gang. Sign up at floor.robinhood.com. That's floor.robinhood.com. That's right, floor.robinhood.com. Support the Blue Bubble Gang. And with that, let's talk winners and losers generally. We've covered the Knicks. Um, to me, all right, so in all seriousness, I think that they're a winner because I like the gamble. I like the process on their end. This could backfire spectacularly, <laughs> but it's like better than what they were looking at had they kept Porzingis and lost out this summer. That's my only point is that if you really spin that forward, that just leads to an unhappy franchise cornerstone who's not going to get you any better than the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. And so they weren't sacrificing as much as it seems today. Um but yeah, I think uh, they're short term winners because of where Porzingis's mind was at. I think they're still long term losers in terms of managing that relationship and the development of his career to get him yeah. into a point where this seemed like it, it was necessary. But in terms of, you know, backing themselves out of the corner positioning for the summer. Um, yeah, they they made some very difficult and, uh, you know, potentially like inflammatory decisions. Uh, but they do deserve credit for, you know, kind of how they weaseled out of it. I think Dallas is the winner here, though, man. I really do. Yes. Because well, I agree. They, I mean, they've look, been floundering you... for years to try to find real talent, right? And and some of the risks that they've taken have been pretty nonsensical. They've been second-guessed by you, you know, almost seconds after the deals were done. 
to get a player who seems to fit pretty well with Luka in terms of on-the-court game that has the potential to be kind of a superstar-level duo uh, that can set a foundation for a while here. They're pretty closely aligned in age. You know, Luka's 19, Porzingis is 23. I mean, to me, to kind of manufacture that out of a few expiring contracts and Dennis Smith Jr., who can't play, uh, that's a home run. It's a borderline miracle. I mean, honestly, and I, I understand that I just spent the last 15 minutes saying, look, Porzingis is not really that good. Um, or not, at, at, he's good. <laughs> he's clearly good, but he's not like top 10 level. That's not a foregone conclusion. So everybody just chill. Luca, though, could be, you know? And I think if you're Dallas, we've talked about where the Mavs have been and where they seem to be headed. And uh, it didn't look great. They didn't have a lot of flexibility to add a second star. And if Porzingis is suddenly going to be your second best player and the guy who kind of anchors your defense, hopefully Porzingis is is cool with that role. Um, you know, suddenly the ceiling gets a lot more interesting. I think you're right to be a little skeptical about where they are, like as early as next season, because it fits Doncic. Tim Hardaway Jr. and oh, Harrison Barnes and Kristaps Porzingis. Like, I don't know what you really have there, but... Um, you know what you have? You have one of those really depressing t-shirts where they put the five players' names, you know? Like, have you ever seen those? And it's like the famous yes. lineups. <laughs> that is a depressing version of that t-shirt just for next year's Mavericks. Just keep it to two names. T-shirt makers of Dallas, just keep it to Luca and Kristaps. Don't worry about the rest of the story. That will all kind of materialize in the 2020s. Um, okay, no, so I'm with you. Here's my here's kind of a hot take question for you. I mean, you're on one today, so I'm just going to keep you know loading you up. <laughs> Is it possible that you know Kristaps, the most famous person in his country? Luca, yeah. the most famous person in his country. Kristaps, a guy who clearly wants to be the alpha. Um, you know, kind of patterned himself after Carmelo Anthony growing up, and Luca, who clearly wants to be the alpha and has already sort of usurped Dennis Smith Jr. down there and sort of recast the whole franchise in his own making. Mm-hmm. Is there any budding heads potential there? Is there any like, you know, European version of, you know, Kobe Shaq? Uh, who, <laughs> whose franchise is it? Uh, who gets to have their, you know, jersey or their name introduced last? You know, whose jersey is more prominently sold? Or can they find the right balance and pitch them as this this superstar duo um, going forward? What do you think? Well, it's funny because I don't know. I I don't think famous in their own country really matters as much because like Ike Diagu is the most famous player from come Nigeria. On. All okay. these guys are famous. <laughs> Just <laughs> come they, on. No, it's different though. It's different with Kristaps and Luca. Like they are legitimately as famous as you know, not LeBron, but like. No, they're other huge stars beyond Kyrie, KD, and LeBron. I mean, Kristaps so, had his own Latvian rap industry, right? And right. then Luca's it's not just Latvia though; it's the the entire world knows who these guys are. Um, yeah, I and will L- say Luca's driving Lamborghinis, you know, and Ferraris at like age seventeen, right? So these are exactly. big time stars with egos. And it's not a yeah. negative thing to admit that they have egos. We're- and that's part of what kind of rubs me the wrong way. Ben Simmons is sort of the same story, where it's like, all right, like you are clearly really talented, but also haven't accomplished that much in the NBA and haven't accomplished enough to carry yourself this way. And so um, it gives me pause. I don't think that I think that they are going to be cool. And if you're asking whose team it is, I think it's going to be Dirk's team 
until those guys ever win anything. And then, you know, a couple years down the road, we'll figure out who's kind of the alpha. Um, See, I disagree. I think it's going to be Luca's team. And I think that's what that's what makes me a little bit nervous because I think he's already kind of started to consolidate himself there. I think the Smith Jr. It's an important symbolic trade, right? Like that's a point guard who you could have tried to talk yourself into. You could have hung on to. You invested a lottery pick in, and instead you cleared him out without a second thought because Luca's your guy going forward. If Dirk retires this summer, um, then I think it's definitely Luca's team. And so now it's kind of awkward because Porzingis goes from being king of the mountain in New York to second fiddle in Dallas. How does that play? Yeah. And, you know, Dallas is a big market, I guess. Um, It's not New York, though. And that's going to be interesting as well. That was actually going to be another question I had. What do you think of the report that he might be willing to sign the qualifying offer? Um, it It sounded like he was dead set on signing the qualifying offer had he been traded to New Orleans, which I understand... Um, he also, there were reports that he was thinking about doing it if he stayed in New York, which I do not understand. Um, and there are reports that he's considering doing it in Dallas. So we should be clear. We've never seen a lottery pick sign the qualifying offer and before. That would be a right? really bad idea. I mean, uh, some, I for someone I mean, of his stature, it would be a terrible idea. I'm wondering though, is it possible this is posturing? Because of some of the concerns that you laid out earlier, there's a real debate about whether he's a max guy, like a no-brainer four-year max player, right? I mean, especially with the injury concerns being at the top of that list. Uh, And and so is he just trying to sort of say, look, if you don't give me the max, I'm going to take the qualifying offer? Is that where, you know, they're kind of posturing? That would be my guess. And I would also guess that that's probably where the relationship with the Knicks started to sour because the Knicks... You know, this is again them being smart for the first time in like 25 years. Said, "Look, Chris Stapps, we really like you, but you're going to have to test the restricted free agent market, and we're not going to give you the extra year, which they could have done. They could have given Porzingis the Devin Booker extension, and they weren't going to do that. And they were going to make him go get a max offer and pay him the max uh, and and match whatever he could get on the on the open market, but it was going to be for one fewer year." I don't know. I, to me, um, that's a smarter play, and that clearly rubbed him the wrong way to some degree. So, yeah, maybe it is posturing. And if you're Dallas, like I would do it because it's not oh. like they have other star yeah. alternatives. The thing about Cuban's strategy is when you're just throwing money out to the Harrison Barneses and like Chandler Parsons of the world, <laughs> exactly. you don't get to nickel and dime Porzingis. And frankly, I don't think he would want to, right? I mean, yeah. the thing in New York about his contract and okay, qualifying an offer and all that, it reminded me a little bit of the Kevin Love situation in Minnesota. You remember that where David Kahn was like, oh, I don't know if I want to give him that fifth year. Like, uh, you know, he's had some health concerns. And yep. when you're that high of a draft pick, you're clearly the franchise face. You're going to be involved in all the marketing efforts and all of that. I understand why that would be a matter of principle, right? Like you should give me every dollar that I'm owed. I'm being on the subsidized rookie contract for the first four years of my career. I'm delivering. So it's time to like, just make it right with that second contract. I could understand why New York would have a little bit of hesitation there. I never understood why Minnesota had the hesitation uh, with love, but I don't think somebody like Cuban is going to have that hesitation. Do you? No. And he shouldn't. Um, You know, another reason the Mavs are winners here is like whatever you think of 
uh, of Luca, whatever you think of Porzingis. The Mavs have successfully positioned themselves as Team Euro going forward, and that's kind of a good place to be because they were never going to sign the superstar American guys, but if they can recruit a couple other international stars, and I think that's probably what the uh, the tweet from Robert was alluding to, is potentially signing Giannis when he becomes a free agent in Dallas. Um, they already drafted Giannis's little brother, which is a nice light years move from Cuban and, and Donnie Nelson. Yeah, um, which the Bucks should have done, and we said that at the time. They should be yes. They should be signing every single one of Giannis's family members. The Bucks organization <laughs> chart should look like the Hornets organization chart, which is just all Michael Jordan's friends and family. That's what the Bucks should look it's like. True, <laughs> dude. The Jordan stuff in Charlotte. I. Uh, one day we're gonna have to have a longer conversation about how weird the arrangement is down there. Uh, but yes, the the Giannis stuff, I don't know, that's been thrown out a couple times this week. It's like whether we're going to be having these same Anthony Davis conversations with Giannis and the Bucks next year. And I don't see it for whatever reason. I just think he's like a little bit more comfortable in Milwaukee and um, and the Bucks are a lot more successful yeah, than the it, Pelicans have been. Is, it, is the comfort factor coming from the fact that they're the best team in basketball? And, they're, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and they got be. a great coach with a great system and uh, pieces that fit around them. And, you know, one of the greatest number two options in, in NBA history and Chris Middleton. I mean, come on, what more does he well, want? Hey, and Chris Middleton, he might be named to the All-Star team tonight. So don't, it might don't be jinx a real it. big night for you. Uh, yeah, I won't jinx it. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. The um, No, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I could see Giannis potentially waiting to sign a Supermax extension, but not like not in a hostile way, <laughs> not saying, like, get me the hell out of Milwaukee, but in more of a wait-and-see type of situation. And... Um, and I could see that being the way this plays out. So the way that I think it's going to play out from like the pure believer Giannis Inc. standpoint is he's going to sign the longest possible contract on the first possible day and then cut it like a $10 million check to Milwaukee Public Schools. That's how I see this playing out. <laughs> And really? just flipping everybody. Yeah, I mean, look at all these other guys. You know, all, they're all so concerned about teaming up and LeBron and who's Instagramming who. Giannis is about his business, right? I mean, taking care of the local community. That's how it should go down. I love the faith. Um, let's talk about another aspect of the deal. I mean, the Celtics have to be freaking out right now, correct? Like, to me, <laughs> yeah. I think the Celtics are losers. This is another reason, Knicks fans, pick yourself up off the floor and just look at how freaked out all of Boston is right now. If nothing else, that should make you happy about this trade because, I mean, I think the threat of Kyrie leaving was kind of a remote possibility two weeks ago, and suddenly it seems a lot more realistic, and there's a non-zero chance that Boston will be left with, like, Gordon Hayward and Oof. Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier to build around over the next couple of years, which is a little, little dark. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean that scenario you're painting is his Brooklyn better than Boston in next year's standings if Kyrie leaves? That'd be pretty funny. I mean... <laughs> uh, uh, should we like remaster that Kyrie commercial with his dad in TD Garden and maybe? Just like update it with a, a Knicks jersey and Madison Square Garden. Like, is it too early to do that yet? Or when do we Dude, get to, to drive that stake into Boston's heart? I love it. 
like that commercial immediately becomes one of the most iconic commercials of all time if Kyrie leaves in July. I can't wait. Um, I think Kyrie, you're right that he's probably going to stay because the Boston Celtics are probably going to make the finals. Um, But right now, I I think that's even more reason to savor how panicked the Celtics fans are going to be over no, the next couple the, months. The best possible scenario here is that Giannis knocks out the Celtics and just sweeps Kyrie straight to New York like the Warriors swept LeBron to LA. That would be the single funniest way <laughs> of, of any of the possible you know situations to play out this summer. That would be the single funniest. Well... So then that's another another team to factor into this equation. We would have led talking about the Lakers and the, the controversy surrounding whether Dell Demps is answering his phone. Um, how does this affect their calculus over the next week or the Pelicans' calculus? I mean, does it have any impact at all? I, I'm kind of thinking about this on the fly here. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think if I was New Orleans and I was going to trade Anthony Davis to New York, I would have wanted Porzingis and their first round pick um, because the rest of their assets, I just didn't really like. I mean, we kind of went over that, but guys like Knox, Nilakina, I mean, some of those guys, it's just like, they're so far away from being actual impact NBA players that if I was trying to do a rebuilding effort, I would have wanted Porzingis in the number one pick. And, um, you know, if, if you do that before the deadline, you don't know if it's going to be number one or number five. So it's not quite as valuable, but that would have yeah. been what I asked for. So, in the well, short term, if New Orleans's uh, options were, you know, Anthony wants to play with the Knicks or the Lakers, I'm not sure that the Knicks are still in that conversation for the deadline. Now, I hear what you're saying. Okay, if they get the number one pick in the summer, are they back on the table? Sure, I, I can kind of see that. But I think for right now, this was basically good news for the Lakers, was it not? I think it, it may have been good news. And, and it is interesting when you think about that Knicks pick, Again, there's such a drop-off from number one to number two or three. It's almost Zion or bust, because if they get Zion, they can flip him for Anthony Davis. That's not true with R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish or whoever else. Yeah, no Mormont. way. Like, no way. And by the way, they still shouldn't. In the conversation. They still shouldn't. I would stick with Zion over AD, but continue. Um, well, the Pelican side of it is interesting, too. They do kind of seem like losers in that it's it's not a great sign that Porzingis would have been willing to sign the qualifying offer in New Orleans. And again, like we don't know whether he would have followed through with that threat. But it does speak to how like the rest of the league kind of sees that team. No, I, I hear you. But hey, I've got some late breaking news because the trade has officially gone through, Andrew. And so we have a statement from the Knicks front office, these make or break guys who are, you know, hanging out on the tree limb, you know, praying that they get KD. Otherwise, it backfires. The statement Uh reads from General Manager Scott Perry. As a standard for this time of year, we are exploring various options on potential trades. Considering the uncertainty regarding Chris Stapp's free agent status and his request today to be traded, we made a trade that we are confident improves the franchise. We thank Chris Stapp's Tim, Courtney, and Trey for their contributions and wish them all the best. So the official party line from the Knicks on this deal is Chris Stapp's four-star hand. We had to do it. Yeah. I don't blame them for pretending that that's what's happened. 
Um, but I think that they were probably. Is it a good cover story? To, yeah, it's a good cover story. It's a good cover story. And you'll note, and part of what I love about this time of year is we end up reading tea leaves from like Woj reports and Shams reports and just trying to kind of piece together each situation. But um, you'll note that the, the Knicks were clearly the ones who leaked the details of the like tense meeting earlier in the day Thursday. And it, it, it serves them well to act like Chris Stapps was the diva here when I think that they were probably more open to dealing Porzingis all along. I think it's also interesting that they basically just thanked him in the same breath as Trey Burke, and they didn't go on and on. <laughs> I you know, that also. Because <laughs> sometimes when you trade a big player like that, you, you make a point to really emphasize all of his contributions to the franchise. They did not do that. Um, yeah. I think that's telling as well. So on the Lakers front, though, Andrew, we had reports of contact between the Pelicans and the Lakers, and you know it sounded like one offer that was presented by Magic Johnson to Dell Demps um, was Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, Zubak, and a first-round pick. So yeah. basically everything except for Hart and except for like a second or a third first-round pick. You know, that's sort of where they've moved the the goal line to. Mm-hmm. If you're Dell, like, you know, apparently the, the state of the conversation is he, he may call them back with his interest in that offer, the other offers. If you're Dell, how interested in that specific offer are you? Um, I'm listening because I think that's about as good as you're going to get from the Lakers and their kind of like mishmash pile of assets that you've got there. Um, if I were the Pelicans, the one thing I would be trying to do is say, all right, like no matter what, you're going to give us two firsts in the mid 2020s. So you're going seven years out, you're going five years out. Cause I think that's the, the furthest out you could trade draft picks and we are going to take a, a flyer on where you guys are at the end of the LeBron era. That would be my strategy if I were Del Demps. And then in addition to that, I would want the first this year. I would want three of those young guys or maybe four. Like, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want Zubak. I would want Hart. I would want Kuzma. I would want Lonzo. And I, will, I would want Ingram. And like... If you're the Lakers, I don't know how much choice you really have, but to just sort of like bite the bullet and and put all those guys on the table. I mean, do you agree? Um, I mean, I think both sides should be interested in like the full package. You know, everything the Lakers have to offer should be appropriate for the Lakers to hand over and appropriate for New Orleans to be interested in. I'm also wondering, though, when you look at the way they structured this Porzingis deal with New, uh, New York being able to get off so much money, yeah. Do you think New Orleans looks at that and thinks, okay, yes, if we do have to trade Anthony, we've got to get rid of at least one bad contract too. Like that's sort of a bare minimum part of this deal as well. What do you think? Why do you think they need to get rid of a bad contract? Well, just so that you can, you know, be in, you're stuck with Drew as we kind of talked about. Most likely his contract's going to be really hard to move. You're going to be yeah. entering a rebuilding phase no matter what. You're going to have to pay Ingram and and Ball at some point if those are the pieces coming back. And you're parting with this major asset, an asset that we can both agree is much better than Porzingis. Wouldn't you also want to get some cap relief out of that trade in addition to just the players and and draft picks coming back? Maybe. It's interesting. That's one of the reasons I think that I understand people kind of second guessing the value of someone like Lonzo or someone like Ingram is they are going to be due for 
bigger second contracts because of the way they see themselves and the way they're perceived around the league. And like, I wouldn't want to pay those guys 15 or $20 million a year or whatever they're going to be asking for. Um, I think that the cap relief aspect for, for new Orleans is less pressing in part because like, I don't know what they're going to spend that money on if, if they're not going to be trying to contend or whatever Um, that wouldn't be a priority. I will say in general, just like the, the, and Porzingis completely overshadowed all of this, but I loved the freak out from Lakers fans for the, the prior 24 hours when Del Del Demps wasn't answering his phone. And then, you know, Lakers Twitter was really like, they had worked themselves into a tizzy where I, I saw some people saying that the Lakers should file a grievance because the Pelicans aren't negotiating in good faith and like they the NBA is a, is a covenant where all these teams agree to deal with each other and it was just incredible the reaction to the idea that the Pelicans just aren't going to do a deal with the Lakers which I think is actually kind of reasonable if I'm New Orleans. I mean, there's real parallels between the way the shutdown was covered in those negotiations and the way yeah. these uh, these uh, Anthony Davis trade uh, talks are being covered. And we could probably just leave it there. Everyone can read between the lines. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great. I love it. I, I cannot get enough of the Lakers reaction because it, I would say Lakers fans right now are in one of two camps where I, there are probably like 20% of Lakers fans who are being pretty realistic and are kind of rolling their eyes at LeBron and are disillusioned with what the team has to offer in trades and kind of sarcastic about where all this is headed. And then there's the 80% contingent that is just like the Pelicans owe it to themselves and they owe it to the league to do this deal and to do it in the next week. Everyone can see this. They should be negotiating. They should come to the table, pick up Magic's call. And like I can't get enough of that side of Lakers Twitter. Yeah, the freakout has been on 11. But the one thing that could have pushed it even further is yeah. if we got true reports about another team trying to swoop in on a rental. Like yeah. I, I feel like Toronto could be a real boogeyman here. Because, you know, if I'm like Masai, you know, Pascal Siakam, draft picks, maybe another younger player, they've got multiple younger players, like you could construct Mm -hmm. a deal that would allow New Orleans to turn the page in the short term, get something back, and, you know, basically, you know, get the ball rolling on a a bigger rebuild in terms of, you know, trading off the guys we talked about, Miritich and Randall as well, right? So that could be a boogeyman. Um, you know, I'm sure we can imagine some other teams. I think you mentioned Denver on the last podcast that could try to, you know, angle into a, a certain situation, but we haven't had a team should be trying to also, yeah. they're, they're another team where it's like, take, well, just take your shot, see what you can do. 100% they should be because, um, you know, first of all, like they've gone down that path before with Chris Paul, it worked out pretty well, but he, he wanted to be there. But second, yeah. like they may or may not be actual players. Uh, you know, if you're looking at KD, potentially going to New York now this summer. Like that's one more guy that they had really wanted this summer with their max slot who may not be available to them. So why not try to coax, you know, Anthony Davis into building something with the Clippers um, and going forward there. But we haven't really seen a report of a team emerging in that vein, have we? And I think that's what would push the Lakers fans completely over the edge. Uh, (laughs) And we're still waiting on that. Yeah, well... But and the again, silence could be 
cause for anxiety though it is right? the silence is ominous and the way i would play this if i were Demps and the pelicans and i do really enjoy that nobody has any idea who's really running things out there and it's funny like we finished our podcast earlier this week and i was driving uh to get food and i was thinking about like just how fucking crazy it is that this is a team that's run by an NFL general manager. Sorry, Elizabeth. That's okay. Yeah, sorry, Elizabeth. But, like, it's crazy that Mickey Loomis is in charge of a basketball team well, and everyone's like, yeah, that's just the way it works down there. Like, 100%. <laughs> yeah, with with Alvin Gentry, I mentioned earlier him pushing back on the critics, right? We're not a second-class franchise. We're not second, uh, you know, in our own town. Well, you report the boss works for the Saints. Like, he doesn't yeah, have a basketball look, background. You guys don't even know if Davis is going to be on your team for the rest of the season, and you're waiting to get sign-off from an NFL executive. <laughs> Come on. Like, I'm biased because I live in Washington, D.C., where the people running our football team here are just some of the dumbest, like, most alcoholic reckless people on earth and like should not be in charge of anything and i'm sure loomis is better at his job than the people running the redskins but in general like i just wouldn't want anyone involved with the nfl involved with my basketball team so that's number one number two though the silence is a little ominous and again like i said on the last podcast if i were the pelicans i would be trying to leak rumors that we're willing to hear the Lakers out and we're actually getting close on a deal and anybody else who might be interested should call and get involved um, because I think that's the way you're going to coax out some of the better offers at the deadline. I'm glad you brought up the Pascal Siakam thing um, because I just, I don't see it really. I've seen a lot of people like sincerely mention him as a centerpiece of an Anthony Davis trade. I saw another Raptors writer say that he wouldn't trade Siakam for Kristaps Porzingis, which just seems completely insane to me. I just don't really get it. I, I think Siakam is very clearly a good third or fourth player on a good team. Um, I think if he's your third best player, you're not going to win a title. If you're If he's your fourth best player, you could. But he's not someone I would want as my second or, or, or first best player. I mean, what do you think? No, I think he's a really good number three. I think you could be a title team with him as your third best player. He's also older than people realize. So he's like 25, yeah. Yeah, and I think people really forget that. And I think when you're trying to gauge him as like, is he a centerpiece or a Porzingis deal or an Anthony Davis deal, like he is a lot more available uh, at 25 than if he was having the same season at 22, right? Um, right? Because if he's having an all-star breakthrough at 22, you're like, wow, you know, this guy could be, you know, this do everything all around guy for the next six years at 25. The, the shine is not really quite there. And I do think he's basically set up in a perfect position for success in Toronto this season. His value would look a lot different if he's trying to be the man with Jaleel Okafor in the big easy. That's kind of what I mean is like, I think he's a great complimentary player who's in a perfect spot in Toronto. Uh, but he's not someone, if I were Masai and I were looking to raise the ceiling, I would not have any second thoughts about trading him for Porzingis, for Anthony Davis. And if I were the Pelicans, I would say, nah, like, we're sorry. He's not going to anchor the next era of New Orleans basketball. That's a good way to get us moved to Seattle. Um, hey, you know another gambler? What about Presti? Is there any way Presti can sneak in on this? I've wondered about Presti. Uh, I don't see it for OKC. 
The one that's gotten thrown out. What about that, like Steven Adams? Would you trade Steven Adams and other pieces for a chance to rent Anthony Davis and just send the message to Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook, guys, we're going for a title right now. We've got the best big three in the NBA. Okay, maybe not the best, but you know, in that conversation. No. Yeah, it would be in the conversation. Look, the deal I would make if I were OKC, and again, this just isn't happening but it, because it's not fantasy basketball, but I would put Russ on the table and say, look, <laughs> want to sell tickets. <laughs> like, we'll send you Westbrook. We will take uh, Anthony Davis, put, slide him next to Steven Adams. He's always said he doesn't want to play center for some reason, so we're just going to roll with that. Unfortunately, I, feel like I think you it's should, real life, and you can't yeah, pull that off. No, I'm with you. If you trade Westbrook and the Thunder fan base for Anthony Davis and the Pelicans fan base, who says no, right? Like, wouldn't both teams just have to, like, swap their organizations? Because Thunder fans would not want to cheer for the Thunder anymore after losing Westbrook, even if yeah. Davis is involved. And the and Pelicans the fans way, seemed a little heartbreak, uh, heartbroken and, and you know, in their feelings about this whole Davis thing, which is totally understandable. Yes, and that's actually a point that I probably underplayed at the top of the show when I was talking about the Knicks. Like, I understand people who just loved Porzingis and had had more fun watching him than hey, they had had. Don't walk it back. Years. Don't walk it back. You <laughs> no. you already gave the lecture to the Knicks fans. Don't try to circle back and say you understand uh, their feelings now. Okay. I have no sympathy for anyone, given what the Wizards are looking at for the next couple of years. Um, that's just where I am. I'm sorry. It says more about me than you guys. Um, Let's finish it off. I have a question for you because, like, is Kevin Durant a winner today? Are the are the Warriors winners? Like, where do they fit into all of this? What do you think? I mean, I think KD is a clear winner and the Warriors are clear losers. I, I think that's pretty much inarguable. For KD, right. you want to have the clearest possible landing spot in New York if you go there so you can construct your dream reality in your own mold roll with your buddy Kyrie if that's how you decide to do it. And you just have, you know, no hindrances, no Tim Hardaway Juniors hanging around kind of, you know, slowing things down. Exactly. For Golden Well, and literally like if it were us, if we were podcasting about Kevin Durant to the Knicks before today, we would have been like, what could he possibly be thinking? Who is giving him this advice? Like we would be genuinely worried. Whereas now it's like Okay, like I could see where this could work out better than anyone could have possibly imagined, and it could be really cool next year. At yeah, least it, it's, it's a blank slate where anything is possible. I mean, it's very similar to LeBron coming to Lakers last year, where you've got the room for the second guy, and you've got a few young guys around to kind of make things interesting, right? And you don't exactly. have any huge hiccups, so you can. It's a cleaner sell. I would still stay in Golden State if I was Kevin Durant, but it's the cleanest possible sell that New York can make. If yeah, you're the Warriors, it makes sense suddenly. Yeah, it does. And if you're the Warriors, you wanted as many hiccups as possible, right? To just kind of mm-hmm. throw Kevin off the New York scent and just kind of convince him, hey, keep running this back, extend the dynasty. We're moving into Chase Center, cash those Silicon Valley checks, just keep this thing rolling. And outside of the Knicks, there's not really another team with the possible exception of the Uber Lakers, if he wants to team up with LeBron, that can mount a pretty convincing uh, case you know, for Kevin's services. So it's for Golden State... not... If you're trying to go win a title, like I, the idea of Kevin Durant going to the Clippers, for instance, and trying to run with Montrez Harrell... By the way, I loved your story with Montrez Harrell, and I love, like, everybody on the Clippers in general. Um, and shout out to Lee Jenkins if he's listening. But it's a tougher sell to go contend for a title there. And, uh, and I think the Knicks just became the first viable option. 
Yeah, that's a it's a really good way to put it. Um, so that makes Golden State losers. Uh, but yeah, you know they're a, a light loss. Okay, they're still they're still about <laughs> to parade to a title, right? And frankly, they deserve a loss after the last four or five years. I've got something coming out on the on the Warriors next week, so we can talk more about where they're at right now. Um, is there anything else that jumped out at you? Did we miss any angles here? Yeah, I'm just wondering, are we headed for a golden age of the trade demand or the trade request? Because we've got now Porzingis, who officially requested a trade as it was made known in their press release, the Knicks press release. We've got uh, Anthony Davis, obviously, blowing up the whole world on Monday morning with his. Uh, we've mm-hmm. had you know, some similarly huge, you know, real you know, seven on the Richter scale requests from the likes of Marquise Chris and Thon Maker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I'm just on wondering. the heels of Jody Meeks requesting a trade from the Wizards midway through last season. You know, this is one of my th- my pet theories, though, is just like the transparency of the modern NBA, where people just don't really hide their feelings. They don't like play nice anymore. They just kind of bring it out in the open. Like, yeah. are we set up for that kind of a, a situation where this just continues to snowball? And you mentioned being this long suffering Wizards fan. When you're seeing what Anthony Davis is doing, what Kristaps Porzingis is doing, aren't you really wondering like what's going on in Bradley Beal's mind? Is he going to be the next guy who decides, hey? It's time to just lay it all on the line and, and issue a trade demand. Well, it's interesting. Wow, you want to get real here. I could turn this into a therapy session well, at the look, end. I, I'm stepping up for those Knicks fans, those poor Knicks fans who are so hurt on this day of mourning and had to listen to a rant from you about how they need to man up. <laughs> so I'm going right back at your heart. There's been a lot of truth for me on the podcast, whether it's about Porzingis and the Knicks or the Redskins front office or Siakam. Uh, yeah, we might as well get real with the, the Beal side of things. I, To me, I haven't been told this explicitly, but I would imagine that Beal, when things were pretty bad, and we do know that Beal said to Ernie Grunfeld, I've been dealing with this shit for eight years or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not an official trade request, but I think things were made pretty clear to the Wizards front office and the Wizards ownership. But then, you know, Ted came out in the Washington Post. I didn't actually read the article, but I saw um, Steinberg tweeted it and said that Ted is not going to be willing to trade Beal, Porter, or Wall, which seems psychotic. And again, I don't know why he's saying these things, um, but I think that Beal has already made it clear that he would like to be moved, and it's not going to happen because he doesn't have the leverage to make that demand yet because he still has two more years on his deal after this one. Um, but yeah, if you're asking about like, I'm the him, culture though, of trade demands, I think that's going to become a thing for sure. I, I think so too. And if I'm him, why wait? I mean, are we just, let's put it out in the open. What do you have to risk? You know, this guy played 54 minutes in a loss to the Raptors. He played 53 (laughs) minutes in a narrow victory over the Phoenix Suns. He played 45 minutes in a double digit loss to the Pistons. He played 44 minutes uh, in a 10 point win over the Pelicans, 44 minutes in a loss to the Pacers. I mean, you get where I'm going with this. This is not healthy for a star in his prime, a guy whose career is basically uh, hit a ceiling in DC. You know, I don't see how it goes any higher. Even if John Wall comes back next year, if I'm Beal, I'm looking around at what these other guys are doing, not waiting their turn, not remaining patient. And I'm calling my agent and I'm saying, how do I get in on this? This sounds great. Let's get me out of town. Yeah. And you know, you raise an interesting point. Like, are we going to hit a tipping point where, 
the culture of the NBA shifts, and maybe it would shift with Giannis. Maybe Giannis stays in Milwaukee and things begin to change and we stop seeing super teams as often. Because, like, look, if you take Durant off the Warriors, suddenly teams that only have two superstars and have a good supporting cast are going to have a shot at a title. And it's not going to be crazy to to think about teams in that context. Um, Like the, the Raptors. If Kevin Durant weren't on the Warriors this year, it wouldn't be crazy to think about the Raptors potentially stealing a title. And so I do wonder whether... What is it? Did, no, did you I mean, openly laugh at that. No, I, I get what you're saying, like the premise of what you're saying, but still, it's funny to hear it come out of your mouth. Yeah, well, and I clearly don't believe it, but I, in part because I don't really believe in in playoff Lowry, but um, I like, I just speaking as a not as a journalist here, but speaking as someone who also was a fan of basketball and and a fan of all sports, like. I do wonder whether we're going to be so oversaturated with trade demands that it, it like everybody begins to go a different direction because I don't blame anyone who just rolls their eyes at some of this. Um, and like, I, I also, as a basketball fan kind of love that we're upstaging the Super Bowl here, but like, will there be a point where everybody gets sick of it and the league has to step in to try to fix this? Because I'm not sure how you do fix it, but, um, it does seem like a situation where like, I don't, I don't know what's stopping anybody from demanding trades and saying, I'm unhappy. I'm going to sit out. Me neither. And just for the record, Beal tweeted today, here comes the fireworks, LOL. So <laughs> <laughs> that was in response to Porzingis and, you know, all those reports that were coming. So uh, he is paying attention. Let's just put it that way. I, yeah. I think they could start by coming up with a real policy in terms of fines and kind of like a public stance on this stuff because the parking ticket philosophy of just, you know, dinging Anthony Davis for $50,000 and we'll see if they even find Porzingis for what is sounding like, you know, a behind the scenes trade request. Um, you know, that's not going to dissuade guys from doing it. And if you think it's a bad look for your league, if you think it's a bad look for competitive balance, you're right. And you're going to need to come up with something a little bit tougher to make sure that that doesn't happen. At the same time, this feels like the kind of thing you can't really legislate away. Exactly. The, play, the players have been you know, really increasing their power and influence here in terms of how the teams are put together over the last five years, especially. Um, and so you do run the risk of being sort of the old man kind of shaking your fist at the clouds if you're going to try to start slapping them with all these penalties uh, knowing that it's not going to stop anybody from doing it. Not only can you not legislate it away, but again, there are a lot of factors to consider here where in a lot of senses, this is really good for the league and the league has never been more popular and has never driven more news and interest than it does now. Granted, it's not doing that with actual basketball. There's just kind of crazy shit going on behind the scenes that everyone finds addictive. Um, but I'm I'm into it, you know, more fireworks. Here we go. This is we're not even at the week of the trade deadline yet. God knows what could happen with Anthony Davis. Um so I guess that's a good place to end. It I'd is be Look, very, very upset if the Wizards trade bat Bradley Beal tonight and <laughs> this all started with you kind of broaching it. Because I did there have been some cryptic reports like there's another bombshell about to drop tonight. So we'll see what happens between now and uh Friday. Yeah, no doubt. The fireworks that we dealt with this week have overshadowed the lantern. The lantern will make a triumphant return uh, next week. The real tragedy of the Porzingis trade. It really is. But guys... 
don't forget to interact with us. We love hearing from you. Email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. We want to hear your reaction to the Porzingis trade, the Davis rumors, and everything else that's going on here before the trade deadline. On top of that, uh, check us out on Instagram, at Ben.Goliver, for all of your lantern needs, questions, uh, and feedback will happen there. Go to Apple Podcasts and search for Open Floor. That's two words. Uh, Find our page, scroll down. There's a section that says rate and review, tap five stars. It's just that easy. You're really helping us out when you do that. Also, we're on the world famous radio.com slash open floor. Hey, Andrew, until next week, when hopefully Bradley Beal is still a wizard. Wait, wait, wait. Before we do, first of all, Bradley Beal is definitely going to still be a wizard. I just have one thought. I have one thought to to close out with. The, the Knicks fans should believe in themselves a little bit more, and the Lakers fans should believe in themselves a little bit less. That's my thought on the weekend NBA news. That's deep. Uh, signing off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye. <laughs>